Hey everybody, Todd Mitchell here. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. What you are about to hear is part of my event coverage for the Virtual Indie Games Expo 2020. Big thank you to the event organizers for having me out virtually, of course. You can uh, find a link to them in the show notes to see more of uh, what they're up to and what they're about. In each of these episodes, I will speak to multiple teams who showed off their projects and are doing their thing. It's all very interesting. They're uh, great folks to get to know. So hang out, relax, and enjoy this event coverage. Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the cold world, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. That arcade was my church. I thought I was Rastan, so for even Thanks for uh, jumping on a call with me. Why don't we have you introduce yourself to listeners and uh, tell me what you were doing at the expo this weekend? All right. Well, uh, my name is Evan Stites. I'm a indie game developer, software engineer, gamification person, pretty much anything uh, with the word game in it. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and this weekend, I was also doing the same thing. Uh, usually at the Indie Game Expo, I'm, I'm showing off a digital game, but I decided to bring something a little bit new to the table this time, uh, literally, uh, with a card game. Um, and not only just a card game, but actually a alcoholic card game. So a drinking game <laughs> card game called Last Call for Alcohol. And as you can imagine, I, I did uh, want to do my pitch and my presentation towards the end of the night on a Saturday night in order to appeal to the correct audience. Totally. Yep. So uh, Last Call for Alcohol is, uh, like I said, a drinking card game. It's a little bit Mario Party, Fusion Frenzy, uh, mixed with Battle Royale, and obviously uh, some of the classics like uh, King's Cup or something like that that you might play at, at a party when, when you were younger. Maybe you still play now. Um, I don't really, you know, COVID world. So it's, yeah. it's a little bit of a weird timing. Obviously, I started Anything this before. Goes, yeah. Yeah, before the like the pandemic hit. So, you know, playtesting this was a lot easier uh, pre uh, the lockdown and everything like that. But I was able to adapt to that a little bit, create a digital version and continue playtesting online. So that's kind of what I showed off yesterday was the, the digital version of Last Call for Alcohol, kind of where we're at um, and, and the plans for the future. How uh, were, were you just extremely lucky to have your digital version in place before all this got started? I don't really know how long the game's been in development total, but I mean, where were you at with this when the pandemic kind of took off? Yeah, so this game has been in development, I guess you could say, for about two years. Um, it started off as a learning project. This is my first card game, uh, and I, I wanted to get away from digital games, something, you know, computer games, specifically video games. Uh, I wanted to do something different and kind of maybe flex my muscles in a, in a different area and see if I could train those up. So I learned Adobe Illustrator or attempted to, uh, got pretty decent at it and, and made my own cards, designed the whole game out, uh, printed physical copies using the Game Crafter, uh, brought it to GDC in 2018, actually, and uh, play tested it there. People uh, seemed to really enjoy it, and I tried to use that momentum to do a Kickstarter. Um, it was my first Kickstarter, and it failed. Uh, I raised about $2,000. I put 
pretty minimal effort in. I, I had no idea. Like I read on the internet uh, what I could probably expect from a Kickstarter. Uh, mm-hmm. But overall, I was still surprised at uh, how much you have to do as a person putting on the Kickstarter in order to drive traffic to your page and how little you ca- you actually get organically from mm-hmm. Kickstarter traffic if you don't hit their algorithm immediately. So um, tried to kickstart it, failed um, kind of reconvened, regrouped myself, talked to some of my friends who had produced card games and obviously reached out to people within the community to see what I could potentially do better next time because that's what you got to do whenever you fail, right? And yeah. um, I got the feedback that Kickstarter is pretty much all art-driven. Um, most people can get behind a concept just based on um, screenshots and concept art and prototypes alone they they can't play a game through kickstarter as as good as you doing your video trying to explain like the concepts and everything like that you you really can't get your hands on it so most people latch on to projects visually and since i was a novice i am a novice artist and this was my first time learning experience doing uh vector art and, and designing my own card game i think my art fell a little bit flat so I regrouped, uh, hired a real graphic designer, uh, real cartoonist to brush up the the visual style of the game, and we went from there. Um, it's been it took probably six to eight months uh, for all the art to come through. Revamped that in, got it in, started prototyping. I would say right before the pandemic hit. So so maybe December uh, 2019. I guess mm-hmm. so. One year ago, I, I had a new art style, new cards in. Obviously, uh, iterating this entire time on on the game itself, but but getting it into a, a comfortable spot. And uh, we had a physical copies. We were playing it. We were play testing it, doing doing great. Uh, and then boom, pandemic hits, shuts <laughs> all of that down. Yeah. Uh, really, I mean, all of our favorite places that we were able to go to to play test and and try to get new players in um because you you want to try to invite people over get them to approach you at uh we were playing it at, at tap houses and and bars things like that couldn't really do it anymore um and honestly it was pretty discouraged uh by that let it kind of fall to the wayside for probably about four or five months um until the middle of this summer where i discovered a piece of software called screentop.gg it's a web app um, it's really, really good for creating 2D um, tabletop game environments. It's like, a, I would say, a web app version of Tabletop Simulator. Uh, nice. Definitely fo- focus more on, uh, on the 2D version of it. And it's free. Um, that, was, that was a big thing for me is uh, being able to just send a link out to the people in my Discord or send it out on Twitter, have people come to me and not have to download something new or pay for something. They just they just want to come in and play the game. Um, I think that's the easiest way to get playtesters and to iterate quickly. So that was important for me. It took me, I would say, two weeks probably to uh, first go through the tutorials on screentop.gg and, and figure out what exactly could be done and how to do it and then port over all of my assets uh, that I already have into like the digital version. And we've been playing in and iterating now for 
probably about five months uh, using that software. And it, honestly, it's been going great. And I think in the future, I will start off with digital prototypes just because of how quickly you can change rules and 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 components and cards uh, you could do it almost in real time and and being able to to just quickly go through that that feedback loop cycle every weekend essentially uh is just so beneficial to the process and two weeks isn't bad at all that's that's not bad yeah i uh, i think i got a little bit lucky with my components, I designed them uh, using Component Studio, um, or, or put them together rather using Component Studio, which is another software uh, web app. This one is created by the people who uh, you make the Game Crafter. So what it does is it essentially allows you to put in variables. Um, I'm a programmer as well, so it allows you to, to pretty much configure variables on uh, one side and then import those variables into programmatically create your cards. So if you want to change out a description or an image or something like that, all you have to do is is swap out the variable value, um, so a new link or a new piece of text, and then it will um, kind of create those cards for you already. And there's an export for Tabletop Simulator on there, um, and it works really, really well for ScreenTop. It essentially takes all your cards, slaps them into a to a card sheet, and and then I import that card sheet into ScreenTop.gg. So I think I I got a little bit of a head start there that I didn't have to produce all the all these assets manually. I was pretty much able to use my existing setup and just um, export, modify a little bit, and then get it right into the game. I didn't realize at first what a strong uh, representation of tabletop games there was at this expo this weekend until I started talking to people one right after another. Uh, yep. Screen Top has come up several times, Game Crafter and everything, and I love this kind of thing. I would like to, you know, try try this kind of thing myself at some point, and it seems like it's never been so approachable. I mean, would you agree with that? I, I think now is the best time uh, to pretty much do anything, but I certainly agree with that statement. Um, the engines in the video game community are are, are growing. Godot's raising in popularity and, and and polishing out. Obviously, Unity and Game Maker Studio, as well as Unreal, have have all been very approachable from the video game side. And I think we're seeing a similar rush of awesome tools on the card game side. I'm a little bit new as well to this. Obviously, my first tabletop game. And I got to tell you, I love it. Um, it. It's such a unique game design constraint for yourself, an environment to be in, uh, to, to force yourself to kind of think out of the box and, and, and think from a different perspective because uh, you have so many more physical limitations to what you can do and what you can design compared to traditional video games. Mm-hmm. And I think because these tools are maturing, they're starting to get to a point where you can pick it up and, and build a prototype in two weeks or something like that. Um, and also the accessibility of, of getting physical prototypes um, on, on short return, kind of like at the Game Crafter as well, you're you're now just able to. Uh, it, it used to be kind of an exclusive group of people who you'd have to go to your your local D and D shop to to get some play testers or, or figure out how you can get prints and get advice from people. But now there's just so many resources available online and information available online that dipping your your feet in is is something that can be done 
uh, pretty easily. And obviously that's the first step, right? As you, right. As you get your toes wet a little bit, it's not as scary. You can, you can take the plunge and I'm really happy that I did. Yeah. Is it awkward at all to test a game with a drinking component? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I, that is a great question. I had, when we were testing the physical component, uh, when we first started, obviously I'm super hyped to be playing all the time. Uh, right as you get something kind of workable as a game developer, there's this euphoric feeling of, I want everybody to play this. Like, I've finally gotten it to a point where I want to show off. And I feel like this is probably the same for every creative. Like, your song has made it to this mm-hmm. point. Your painting's finally workable. Like, I just want to show it to everyone and see uh, what they think of it and if they get the same feeling uh, that I do. And so, obviously, I had that for Last Call for Alcohol. We started playtesting just within my group. I tried to get people involved uh, around me. And because of the alcohol component, that is a lot of drinking. Um, I never, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm more of a, a casual drinker, you know, somebody, I, I, I will go to uh, a tap room and, and have a couple beers and talk and hang out and play games. Love doing that. Um, and have a, a whiskey sometimes at home, <laughs> just need sure, one, yeah. you know, late, late at night. But I, I certainly wouldn't consider myself somebody who, uh, just goes, uh, to the wall every single time you know <laughs> lining them up shooting them and and then just getting blackout drunk every weekend uh but when you're play testing a game with an alcoholic component and people are enjoying it and you're enjoying it uh you find yourself getting there pretty quickly uh <laughs> and and not only that but also consistently because if i'm playing on friday night and then i have some friends who want to play on saturday night it's like oh well i just I drink Friday night a lot, um, but, you know, got to play, got to, got to teach. And then, so I was consistently maybe two, three nights a week, um, drinking more than I normally would just because of the game, just because of the play testing <laughs> and, and kind of like this, um, system that, that I created for myself. And, and I knew that the market, uh, this was the market that I wanted to try to hit. Um, and I'm, and I'm happy to be in it, but I definitely did have to, to, take a look in the mirror and be like, all right, I, I don't have to play every game. I can observe <laughs> from from the side. Maybe I can take a, a, a few weekends off. And, and it did take me a little bit to realize that um, as I'm playing this game, I'm forming habits uh, that I probably <laughs> wouldn't want to be forming. So that's definitely one of the negatives that, that came through this that I wouldn't wasn't aware of when I jumped into it. Sure, yeah. Potential uh, long Kickstarter campaign followed by a rehab campaign of some kind perhaps <laughs> exactly and 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 you know sometimes as as an artist you you need things like that to produce your best content so maybe <laughs> i have uh my next game is somehow rehab related and, <laughs> and and making sure that you drink more you know stay hydrated all the time and and stay away from from drugs and alcohol you know or drugs in general <laughs> yeah yeah so outside the bar uh what what are some of the games you like to play i mean that have kind of informed your your style of uh, of creation and design. I mean, what what kind of and this could be video games or board games. I mean, what's the stuff that really sort of motivates you? Yeah, I have been a League of Legends player for probably about ten years. I oh, nice. have been mostly a competitive game player. I, I played a lot of Mortal Kombat when I was a kid. Um, I, I had a Sega Genesis, so I'm definitely Sonic inspired. I love my 2D platformers. I love uh, 
soundtracks to games. Um, I, I find myself listening to late '90s video game uh, sounds while I'm working all the time, nice. and uh, so that's that's kind of my go-to when I'm playing casually. Um, I, I really do like the nostalgic games, the 2D games, Mutant League Football, Mutant League Hockey, um, all of these from from the classic era when I'm playing single player. But when I'm playing um, on my PC or playing with my friends, I prefer competitive games. So. Like I said, League of Legends has been my go-to for a while. I've I've kind of fallen out of love with that. Uh, it, it it is a young man's game. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm still a young man. I just turned 28 like a, a month ago. But I got to tell you, it it takes so much time, um, t- so much reading and practice to to keep your skills up at a competitive level and. I just haven't been able to invest that, especially with um, developing games on the side and and playtesting Last Call for Alcohol and having these different priorities. It's been really hard for me to stay in tune. So I think that how it relates into my design style and some of the philosophies that I've adopted is every game that that I create, I always want to have uh, strategic depth. I always want to have the ability for, for somebody to be able to learn the game and potentially play it better than somebody else and that's because that's what i like um and i think a lot of you see people create the things that they want to see um out in the world and so this game last call for alcohol it's very approachable i needed it to be right it's a it's a casual game it's a it's a bar game um and on top of that it needs to be pretty simple um because when you're drinking you don't you can't have these complex mechanics you know nobody's going to remember them nobody's going to read them it, it really does have to be uh something that they can pick up hopefully play one like understand uh, or feel like they have a pretty good grasp on it uh immediately play through it one time and then they're good to go it never needs to be explained to them again and so it was a pretty unique challenge trying to incorporate depth into the game and incorporate competitive mechanics into something that has to be so simple and so approachable just by nature of how it exists. That makes good sense. Um, you're, you're clearly a prolific designer or developer of games and uh, game things. So, yep. I mean, tell me a little bit about, you know, your, your background and some of the other work you've done. Sure. So I have a educational background in computer science and specifically human computer interaction. Um, people who don't know hu- human computer interaction, it's essentially the psychological aspect of, of how people interact with things on a computer, such as games, um, apps, anything like that. Uh, I've been always fascinated with what makes people tick. Um, I feel like psychology would have been an okay way to go, uh, but this is like the best mix because I love games. I love the digital medium. I love virtual worlds and, and, and engineering and creating them, but I also really, really am interested in why people do the things they do. So I, I studied HCI, user experience, um, and, and now I've been mostly into uh, gamification and gamified systems design is, is what I like to call it. So professionally, I've been contracted uh, to do gamification for software startups and and big projects crypto um being some of them and 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 large corporations because they they realize there's a lot of 
mechanics within games that work outside of games uh digital like video games specifically but also card games right uh there's a reason why we all uh, are picking up games in our free time and playing them whether whether they're the card game or, or your mobile you know call of duty mobile or something like <laughs> that league of legends there's a reason why um most of our our free time is, is spent doing that um additionally i've kind of a i, I forgot about this but also way back in the past i have a traditional sports background and so that's all games too um I, i've been picking up golf recently and and it's the same thing the same mechanics everywhere all throughout the world and um you know the the guys in the gym and the guys sitting at the computer can all agree that like there there's just something to that euphoria that you get when when you have that task in front of you it's it's laid out for you and, and then you complete it and that's what games deliver over and over and over again and so professionally i've tried to bring that into everything i do so as a software engineer um starting off early in my career i'm not really able to do that as much but i've gotten to a point now where i work for a startup called tournament kings and we developed a tournament platform all on discord so if you're trying to host a bracket uh or or run a large we have a free bot, tourney bot, that you can use to do that all in your Discord server. It doesn't need to go anywhere else. And nice. why that's relevant is part of what I do at my day job and, and, and something that I incorporate in there is these elements of game design. Um, always trying to, to kind of sneak in these little things that, that want to make somebody come back. Uh, leaderboard systems, uh, little experience, little tidbits uh, in, in software where, where you, you try to introduce um, the user in this case because they're not players anymore, they're, they're users. Um, you try to introduce them to something that, that they can do. Give them a goal to achieve let them try to achieve it and and bridging that gap between kind of the software world and and the gaming world i think is is where i want to be professionally and kind of where a lot of my side projects and my professional projects have have always aligned is just making something more fun making something more gamey and uh so i mean i'm going to change my name to to like game or something i don't know <laughs> everything that I've, I've been saying for the past 22 minutes now it's 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 all game related and, and i'm glad but that that just is what i enjoy and everything around me everything that i get into seems to always uh, fall back into that that comfortable space of game design and and making experiences for other people that i hope are enjoyable I like it. We uh, clearly have a lot more we could talk about, so I hope you'll consider coming back sometime. In the meantime, why don't you uh, let listeners know where they can find your work, find you, anything you got. Of course. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Happy to be on uh, at another point. I have nightmare.games is the website. You can subscribe there for notifications for when Last Call for Alcohol may be uh, being produced physically or having a Kickstarter. So that way you guys can can come in and join us. Obviously, I'm on, I'm on Discord. That one's going to be a little bit harder to find. But search Nightmare Games with a K and you will be able to find that one online. Twitter at Play Nightmare. Um, and I online am found as Eki Yakov, E-C-K-Y-Y-A-K-O-V. Happy to talk with anybody about anything pretty much all the time. So um, reach out and uh, I'm looking forward to it. 
Well, uh, congrats on the work with Last Call for Alcohol. Looks great so far. Can't wait to see how things go. And uh, we will definitely have you back and check in, see how things are going later. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Let's pause right here to talk about our sponsor, App Figures. App Figures is all about giving game makers the tools they need to get more downloads and revenue. You may know them for analytics and app store optimization. Now App Figures can help you track competitors from downloads and dollar amounts to audience demographics and even which SDKs they use. Their competitor intelligence gives great context. If a competitor adds a new feature or gets mentioned in the news, App Figures can tell you if that brought in more downloads. If you have an idea for a new app or a game, App Figures can tell you how big the market is and how much money it can make you. That's just scratching the surface. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, App Figures has the tools you need to reduce risk and get more downloads. You don't need a huge budget or a data science degree. App Figures has made it affordable and simple, and they can guide you step-by-step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. Head to appfigures.com slash on slash gamedevbreakdown to try App Figures for free, and if you like it, Use our special code GDB3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. Okay, let's uh, start by having you introduce yourself to listeners and uh, let them know what you were up to at the expo this weekend. Great. Cool. Yeah, so my name's uh, Chris Ellis. I'm one of the co-founders of assimilate a party game and uh over the the course of the weekend we were showcasing a demo of our brand new essentially alpha beta test if you will version of our game and trying to you know get a chance to meet some of the other um game makers and and the like so it was a really great opportunity kind of is our first instance in showing off the game to everybody so it was very exciting nice so uh how does assimilate work so for anyone if like familiar with jackbox or party games in that very nature we, we definitely wanted to emulate that style of game where you use your phone to interact with the TV or computer screen in some nature. So it can be played both locally or online. And the idea is that there, so almost like a, a, I like to think of it as like a, a board game that you play on, on your phone, right? Mm-hmm. Where the board is represented by the TV or computer and each individual person contributes to the game or, you know, connects with the game through their phone. So it's been, it's been a particularly exciting yet difficult challenge to kind of get both aspects of everything working and making sure everything connects um, but it's, I think, it's been a very rewarding process as well. Yeah, there are kind of a lot of moving parts uh, for games like this. And there it seems like there are more technologies coming out to make them approachable. But I still don't really envy teams that are working on stuff like this. I mean, uh, but it, it seems like it's going well for you. So far, so good. And like you, you just hit the nail on the head. I think it, this this daunting task has become a lot less daunting with new technology. So like there are more and more applications and services you can use to, to you know decrease the barrier to entry if you will for getting into something like this with that being said there you know we, we're still in trial and error mode and figuring out what's working and what's not working so by no means are we out of the woods yet but it, it's, it's looking promising for sure well that's a, a good thing to bring up uh, where are we at in, in development is it out in the wild yet or is that forthcoming 
it's forthcoming, but it, it's very, very soon. So we, we just demoed our beta version of the game uh, over the course of the weekend. But there are some like final like we want to make sure we introduce or include a tutorial video just to help with gameplay so that anybody who plays it for the first time kind of has an idea what's going on. And then there's a, a couple, couple technical bugs that we need to tweak out um, before we launch it. But the, the intent is to launch a, an early playtest available on Steam in the next week or two. So we are getting very close to having something that we can start with the public i feel like people are kind of starving for content like this i mean it's really i'm, I'm sure part of it is pandemic fueled but i mean is are you, are you sensing a lot of enthusiasm from people about this yeah and then and very much so and like that's what's well, one thing that we noticed at the beginning you know back in march and april like jackbox has gone on the record saying that they have like grown significantly as a result of this you know uh, everyone's staying at home and trying to still interact with others, you know, in some sort of capacity. Uh, I think the benefit of these party games is it's extended beyond those who have Steam downloaded the computer or, or console that they use. Like you can start playing this with anybody over a video conference. And so um, that is what's made it particularly exciting and um, accessible, if you will. But with that being said, I, I know that we are, <laughs> because this is our first game and we started back in March. Uh, my my two colleagues and I is the first game any of us have made. We've certainly been um, you know trying to learn and, and as quickly as we can so that we can capitalize on the fact that there are certainly there certainly is a lot of interest and engagement and uh, we want to make sure that we have something we can give to those people who are you know seeking it out. Starting in March, that's this was actually one of the younger projects I've uh, seen from the expo. I mean that's that's actually really impressive that you have something doable at all right now. Well, I mean, the the I guess it's funny. The good news is because of this, the stay at home orders and COVID and quarantine as as a whole, like we've had a lot of time to dedicate to this project, right? Yeah. Um, at, all three of us were working at different companies when when back in March than we are now, which is funny. Like, so at one point or another, all three of us have switched our day jobs, and so we've been we've had like that transition period where we also got able to kind of get down to work. And I think, as you know. Maybe there's some beginners luck involved, or we're just really excited and motivated to kind of get something out there. And um, I think we also are, are lucky to have a very good team where we have our artist designer who just loves illustrating and, and animating things in his free time, our developer who's just a rock star getting code together, and then me, who I'm like the producer game designer who has an affinity for play like playing video games and, and party games of any kind. So as far as like the playtesting aspect of the game. That's been something that's been keeping me busy during this pandemic as well. Got a lot less options for playtesting right now. People have more time, but less opportunities to just do the normal things we'd all like to do. So, I mean, has that been overall good or bad? So it's funny because again, I, because this is my first time doing it, you know, like I, I don't really know what the, the baseline or how consistent or easy it is to quote unquote fine play testers in, in like the normal way, right? Right. Um, this is the only thing I've known. But luckily I've got a lot of friends and family who've been supportive and like kind of helped interact, you know, introduce me because I guess as you mentioned before, people are, you know, bored and a lot of times looking for something that's different and unique. I've had a lot of referrals and introductions for like, oh, you should have so and such and such person play it. But I will say that the playtesting aspect, though one of the most beneficial and like eye opening experiences in this whole process, like getting our game to a point where I think it's just a lot of the fun aspects of our game were introduced through these play tests. So they're extremely, extremely valuable. They've also been one of the most frustrating parts of this process because yeah. the nature of a party game, you have to have larger groups. It's not a matter of just like shooting at a bunch of keys and then and hoping that 
you know people get back to you because you, you want to make sure that the people playing the game have some sort of synergy and, and like know each other to a degree so that um you're you're emulating what is expected in a in a real life scenario if you just get six random people to play together it is quite different than if you had six you know friends playing together i found and so it, it's beneficial in our best interest to try to incorporate or recruit if you will those types of groups when testing out our game as well the design that goes into a game like this there are a lot of interesting things to think about but i feel like this time is also necessitated that we get a little more flexible in how we play games. I didn't know anything about Jackbox for a long time. When all this started, we were in the middle of lockdown. I saw one of my favorite podcasters streaming the game with with friends from uh, that network, and I went, "Oh, I immediately want to play this now!" Like I now I'm very interested in this activity. So, and I I don't know if you would have seen as much of that when everybody could hop on Call of Duty or everybody could. Uh, well, we can all hop on call of duty that was a bad example but uh you can have everybody over to the house and we can all sit around the couch stuff like that but now now things are maybe getting a little more interesting in terms of what technology can we use to do what right yeah i mean it's funny like if you were to ask me i feel like like the jackbox or like the party game genre if you will has always been a slightly different audience or demographic than i think your traditional gamers per se right mm-hmm. um I, I think there's certainly overlap by all means but i think that by the nature of the party games that they tend to be like more of like a couch cooperative situation where people come over to one place like it certainly can be and, and it's and during the pandemic has been played a lot uh, online but i think i would expect rather that jackbox has seen a, a majority of their traffic you know or, or gameplay in the past like in a more local setting which I think ops opens it to being more accessible from quote unquote non gamers or people that don't play the call of duties of the world as often, if you will. So um, by that very nature, I think because of the pandemic, you are seeing more streamers, po- you know, playing these games online. And I think the audience is just getting bigger from not only those people who enjoy playing party games with friends and, and family, but also like, true gamers who to your point were potentially playing a lot of the first person shooters or a lot of the big narrative driven games are finding like the social aspect of these party games is, is becoming a little bit more endearing and sought after i i'm a fan of that kind of thing like even back in the like you don't know jack days i mean i was i, I was into that it was on consoles so it naturally came across my uh my controller that way. And then I went, okay, I'm aware of this, but these, these modern like party games and stuff are really only coming onto my radar because, uh, other, other gamers are playing them. Streamers are playing them, things like that. And it, it's working on me. It's like, I I see people do it and I go, oh yeah, I could use that right now. So, I mean, like who else is doing good work in this space? What are the, you're, you're the one with the affinity for this kind of gameplay. So tell me, uh, the kind of stuff you like and the kind of things that motivated you to sort of do this kind of thing. Well, we're, we're definitely like Jackbox is clearly like the number one incumbent, right? Like they've been doing sure. this forever. They just launched, I think their seventh party pack. And so, uh, they, they are the, the gold standard, if you will. And like they do, they can do no wrong in my book. I love like, the only issue I have with Jackbox is there aren't more, more Jackbox, Jackbox and there aren't more Jackbox games, right? <laughs> They're great. Um, I think Among Us, though it's not used in the same capacity where like people interact with the phone and TV in quite the same way, is a very similar feel, look and feel. Sure. And it is just as accessible in a lot of ways because they have the free app component to it. And so I think Among Us has actually done a terrific job uh, at, in, I think, in growing this 
type of genre to a degree. Um, so we have Among Us. Now, you mean Fall Guys is also in that party game atmosphere. So this has been a particularly eventful summer for the genre. Um, I think one aspect of Assimilate that is slightly different from most Jackbox games, while there are a few exceptions, is the social deduction nature, right? And so that's something that you will see in Among Us or you'll see familiar in like more common board games like Werewolf or Mafia. And I think that that to me is a particularly exciting intersection between like your traditional party games and your social deduction, like murder mystery type, what have you. So that's where um, I, I really like those social deduction games. My favorite board game of all time is secret Hitler. And so there are definitely aspects of all these different board games that we're incorporating and trying to make this to this more digital type environment. Mm -hmm. And while there's some sort of killer uh, games in this category, there, I bet there's not that much of a playbook in terms of design conventions and things like that. I mean, you, I'm sure to some extent you're sort of trying to forge your own way here. I mean, is that difficult or does it feel pretty comfortable? I think it is very difficult, right? Because at one point we definitely want to differentiate ourselves from Jackbox. Like we're not just trying to be like a carbon copy by any means, but right. since they are the prominent player in the field and, and they have obviously figured out a formula that works really well, it's tricky trying to figure like thread the needle of being unique and different while still making sure that the game is accessible and simple and easy. And there are limitations that we've learned, like our, our initial concepts of the mobile interface, for instance, were far more, I would say, exciting or like uh inter interesting but as we started to play test more and more just by the very nature of the fact that you don't know if someone's playing on an ipad versus a um, an older phone versus a newer phone like the requirements that are so that vary so substantially because we are such a small team we had to scale back some of like the the more ambitious design elements if you will so it's it's tricky to find finding that balance between something that's really easy to understand and and simple to jump into while also being in, nice to look at and visually appealing, you know? Absolutely. So coming into an expo weekend like this, how, how do you sort of prepare to give people a good feel for what you're doing and sort of attract eyes to it? I mean, what was your strategy there? Well, I mean, I think it's been very helpful because we've already talked about it before. Just like the nature of the party game is becoming a slightly more, uh, sought after right and so being making sure that people know hey we are a party game was important to us so that's why quite frankly we included it in the title so we're assimilate a party game because mm -hmm. we want it to be very apparent that like hey this is what we're doing this is what we're trying to make sure you know we accommodate and then all of the the marketing imagery that we use for a game tends to promote both the tv and the phone side by side so that you can clearly and quickly see that this is not a game that's just played on like your television or your your PC, right? But rather, it, it's got this multiple multiple interfaces, which I think in, inherently piques your interest as to like, oh, wait, is this an app game or a TV game? And then you find out, oh, it's technically kind of a little bit of both, right? So um, that was our intent to try to help pique interest and get people to pay attention. And then by the very nature of showcasing a demo and getting something, I think, that people can play remotely in a, in a simple capacity was also something we wanted to highlight. So that's why we were really excited about having the demo opportunity. People did not shy away from this at all. I mean, there were a lot of, as you saw, there were multiple board game creators, card game creators. I think 
games of all kinds were represented really well at the event, actually. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm impressed by that. That's always encouraging, whether it's a regional thing or, or a big. I've covered VR events basically all year, and it's it's nice to see that kind of variety and people coming out to go, hey, we're still doing X. You know, this kind of thing is still coming out and, you know, it's something you can look forward to. This, of course, very wide appeal whether we stay on lockdown for another three years or whether we go right back out in uh, a number of months and go back to our lives. Uh, this seems like it's going to have some staying power. So, I mean, are you hoping that you'll get to release this and then continue working on it? Or do you want to move on to something else? I think a little bit of both, right? So uh, we definitely have all these aspirations of like things we'd like to add and tweak and change about the game and like our, our long-term vision. Um, but we also know that we've got other exciting concepts for games as well. So this is just the first of hopefully many that we'll be launching with this like studio. So um, when we do eventually launch it, which we're planning to have a, uh, or the expectation and the goal is to have something a little bit more finalized come February, maybe March. Um, the, the goal is to have like our, our game at, if not 90%, 95% capacity, and then have another, you know, couple seasonal updates, if you will, or DLCs if, that we can add soon thereafter. Um, but yeah, I think that as far as the nature of like this particular conference, I was blown away, quite frankly, because I know I've attended a few of these virtual events so far, and more often than not, when you hear the term virtual events, you just think or assume it like the whole thing takes place over a zoom conference right mm -hmm. and not to take away from that by any means but when i showed up and i can see like the actual virtual environment with the avatars and the booths and the whole setup um it was really exciting and my day job i, I go to a lot of trade show events and conferences and things like that and um the healthcare industry and it's just so interesting to to see how it's translated to this virtual environment and how quite frankly, seamless it worked. Like there are, you know, a couple of AV, you know, issues here and there, but only very minor compared to the fact that you have so many people coming to this event and this digital uh, world. It was really, really cool. And I, I, I do look forward to, to continuing to promote this game among others at those type of events. Sure. Were you, uh, were you part of that regional group or were you more of a, a distant contact to that group that puts this event on? It was more distant, so I was I just introduced to this game through one of the the video game blogs that I follow, and so I it was my first time joining joining, and I'm from Dallas myself, so um, oh that's right I I don't know how likely it would have been, quite frankly, for me to attend this event uh, specifically if it were uh, in in the real world, right? Right. Um, yeah. At least this year, Denver is a very simple and easy place to get to ordinarily. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, that's why. It, and I also know that we had some friends from Australia and things like that that were able to attend. So it was really cool to kind of get that that reach, if you will, through this event. And I think that's one aspect that I hope carries forward in the future, where I do believe that there's a lot of inherent value in regional events where you get to meet people in person. But I also think that there's a really cool and exciting opportunity to interact with game makers from across the world. And like that, I do believe that these virtual events help make that more possible. Yeah, I like that. And uh, during the uh, booth crawl, that was something that kind of made me laugh a little bit. We got to a certain booth and they went, where's so-and-so? And somebody was like, well, he's he's from Japan, so I think he's probably asleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's going to happen. <laughs> I think that's part of it as well. I'll be attending like another event in that's uh, based out of England come February. And uh, I know that like my essentially like onboarding call or whatever with 
I had to wake up at four o'clock in the morning just to, to make that. So uh, time zones are certainly some issues, but that's also part of the appeal. I think is like being able to accommodate your schedule in the event that you couldn't go to something because you have a nine to five job. But if it happens to be before or after that time frame, maybe you can make it work. You know. It is. I think the fact that we're in this VR space, we're walking around doing this thing, and the the idea that being reminded that someone else is, you know, across the world and it makes you take pause for a moment, I consider that this thing succeeding. I think they did a good job of making it feel like we're at this somewhat more intimate thing than a Zoom call or, you know, just a Discord event. Or You could have done any number of things, but for us to all go like, oh yeah, these people are all nowhere near each other, really. So <laughs> I think that was so well absolutely. done. I thought so as well. I thought that was very exciting and very cool just to be around that environment with and it was also interesting how like the closer you get to some of the other participants the louder they become as if it were <laughs> you know real like i thought that was also super fun so you can like i'll uh, be walking around the conference floor and like some hear conversations and it allows for that organic like networking that you would get in a real you know situation whereas if it was just one big conference call where everyone's muted you certainly wouldn't get that you know yeah, and I, I liked the uh, random avatar selection because I, <laughs> I I met somebody and was having just casual conversation and their mic cut out at one point. And it, it, it took us a minute to figure it out. And through a series of nods and gestures, you know, I was able to communicate like your, your mic is no longer working. And OK, so they disappeared for a minute and someone before they set the name, someone with a drastically wow. different appearance came up to me. And it, after a second, I heard okay, I'm back. <laughs> I just had to kind of laugh at that. It's a lot of funny stuff happens at these yeah, things. Yeah, that is, that is really funny. I know I accidentally joined twice, and so at one point I had two different avatars that were both <laughs> me, and uh, I did. I had, like, two different conversations, and so I had to abruptly close one and, like, make sure I explained what happened. <laughs> it was really <laughs> random. That is, that's good stuff. Um, so let listeners know uh, where they can find uh, your work and the game and uh, whatever else. Uh, yeah, so I mean, we we you can follow all of our social channels at Assimilate TV. We're probably most active. We 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 post a lot on all of them, but we're probably most active on Instagram as far as like DMs and what have you. Um, our website is friendshipisfun.com. That's our studio called Friendship is Fun, nice. and we do have a Steam page where you can go and wishlist the page. As I mentioned before, we're likely be launching our early access version of the game or the playtest version available in like the next week or two. So. Uh, it's certainly worth you know following us if you're interested in trying out a new Jackbox-esque party game with some friends and family. It sounds great. Uh, congrats on all the early work. You're clearly knocking it out of the park. And uh, this, this seems like it'll be a lot of fun. So uh, we'll be following this, and I'll hope to have you back later on, and we can sort of talk about how it's going. Love to. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting. I'm very happy to be involved. Thank you so much to our guests. If you enjoy the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, I would love to have you subscribe on the platform of your choosing. Hit that follow button on Spotify, drop a rating and a review on the Apple side. We have show notes at CodeWriteplay.com. We are all over social media at GameDevPod on Twitter at CodeWriteplay and me, Todd Mitchell, at MechaToddzilla, 1D and 2Ls. Love hearing your feedback. Reach out with topics, what's on your mind, what you're up to, and we love talking about that stuff too. So more next time. Take care of yourselves out there. Keep working hard. Keep making us proud. And I will catch you next time. At that moment.
moment, nothing mattered in my life more than seeing my three initials at Lakeside with a high score. But now I'm older, there's no quarter to resurrect or hit reset. It's either game over or success. I'm walking towards a light, bright, no regrets. <laughs> Just me, just me, he, 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 he.